0: Good morning my name is arely i'm one of the pastors here at the vineyard and it's a joy to be with you this morning our pastor and liz and jeff are in spain so we pray for them that the lord is doing what he called them to do there we have been uh Talking about leadership, communion, finances, building our faith, building a building. And today we are going to talk about something in the leadership area the temple of the Lord and our identity in Christ. I'm going to use Old Testament scripture, and new as well. Picking up after Solomon and the rebuilding of the new temple using the book of Ezra. This book talks about what happened to the Jewish people after the exile. They stayed 70 years in Babylon and they're ready to go back home and reveal the temple of the Lord. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you because you are everything we need. Thank you because we are here today. I just pray that you will speak to us through me this morning. And I pray that in your name. Amen. See, God was... It is faithful to fulfill his promises. And the Jewish people were ready to go back home after the exile. And let me tell you a little bit of history about the first temple. The first temple was basically a headquarters work. David saw the need to build a temple, but he was not allowed. He was only allowed to gather the materials using the wealth of Israel to build the temple. It was his son, Solomon, the one who built the temple. This temple was destroyed by Babylon's in 586 B.C. It was magnificent. And you see it? It was covered in gold. The second temple, it was very, very, very different. See, first, in the book of Ezra, it tells us that, there was a call for everybody to go back to Jerusalem to build the temple. That's different than the first one. That God has stirred the heart, says Ezra 1, of the people of Jerusalem, the Jews, to go back home and build this temple. So everybody was called, but only few went back. Not everybody. The call was there but not everybody went. That's different as well. And the third thing is that the temple was not as impressive as this one. It was not as magnificent as the first temple. The scripture says on Ezra 3 that when the foundation of the temple was laid, people that have seen the previous temple wept. They just not cry. They wept because it was not what it used to be. It's different. We don't like different. So that was different. On the other hand, people that have never seen the temple rejoice because the opportunity was there to come and to have God available for them as as well. So very different temples. And we are going to hear the story of what happened and how do they rebuild the temple of the Lord. And we are going to pick up on Ezra 6, if you will, This temple, though, was very, very important to God. They didn't have any money. They have a few people. They have opposition. But they were ready. And Ezra chapter 6 tells us that the king, Darius, a Persian king, asked the governor to help them build the temple. So let's read Ezra 6, 7 to 11. Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its original site, and do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help these elders of the Jews as they rebuild this temple of God. You must pay the full construction cost without delay from the taxes collected in the province west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not be interrupted. Give the priest in Jerusalem whatever is needed in the way of young bulls, rams, and male lamb for the burnt offerings presented to God of heaven. And without fail, provide them with as much salt, wheat, wine, and olive oil as they need each day. Then they will be able to offer acceptable sacrifices to the God of heaven, and pray for the welfare of the king and his sons. Those who violate this decree in any way will, will have a beam pulled from their house. Then they will be lifted up and impaled on it, and their house will be reduced to a pile of rubble. May the God who has chosen the city of Jerusalem as the place to honor his name destroy any king or nation that violates this command and destroys this temple. This is an unbelievable story. They have no money. They have nothing. Few people, but the Lord is faithful, isn't he? And he provides and tells this king to give money to them from the taxes that he collected. And not only that, he is going to ask them to pray for the king, a Persian king. The Jews are going to pray for him and bless him. This is unbelievable. It is like, is President Obama is saying, um, hello, Mr. Massachusetts Governor, you are going to build the new Vineyard Church of Hackington. You are going to collect, I know, funny. <laughs> you are going to collect the taxes for 495 south all the way to Milford, Around Upton, you're going to bring them here. You're going to give it to them. You're going to stop at Starbucks every morning and bring coffee to Rob, Liz, Jeff, and Adele. Yeah. You know, and at lunchtime, stop at Panera. They like bean soup on a bread bowl with an apple because they're on a diet. No potato chips, please. A nice dinner. And just give them everything they need. You're going to sponsor every outreach they have. And you are going to pay for everything that they need during the construction. Isn't that awesome? Huh? So the temple of the Lord was built. That's a restoration story. Let's pick up on verse 14. So the Jewish elders continued their work, and they were greatly encouraged by the preaching of the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edo. Verse 15. The temple was completed on March 12th during the sixth year of King Darius' reign. Let's jump to 16. The temple of God was then dedicated with great joy by the people of Israel. The priests, the Levites, and the rest of the people had returned from exile. Verse 18. Then the priests and Levites were divided into their various divisions to serve at the temple of God in Jerusalem as prescribed in the book of Moses. See, they were ready to start living their lives again. The temple is built. They're ready. What they knew, their traditions, their laws, were back in place. God is accessible again, only to a certain spot. And the curtain was there. And God, and then the chosen people, and then the Gentiles. Life was good all over again. And the Gentiles, they were just that, Gentiles, not the chosen people. See, they needed to sacrifice a lamb twice a day for their sins. And a lot more sacrifices they needed to do. Why? Because they were not good enough. They were the chosen people. But the Lord cannot be in the presence of sin. He can't. He can still not be in the presence of sin. And they were not good enough. Those lambs were not good enough. They tasted good, I guess. But they were not good enough. So they were right there with the legalism and their systems in place. Maybe you think that the God of the Old Testament is just like, you know, not a good God, because they were not there. But he is not. He's not distant. He just cannot be in the presence of sin. He loves his people. You know why he loves his people? Because the Lord, because God is love. He doesn't have love to give. He is love. He is his essence. He is his oil. His DNA is love. So he cannot just give love. He is love. And he said this in Jeremiah 31, three. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. This is the God of the Old Testament who loves his people. God' love is everlasting and unfailing, and it never changes. Let's go and see this, this first video, please. Maybe the lights.
1: So right now we're at a hotel um, near um, the border. We're in Nogales, Arizona. Um, and we're actually, and our mothers are um, in Nogales, Mexico on the other side of the border. Um, and we're just getting ready to go see them for the first time in a long time. I'm excited for that. Uh, still hasn't really kicked in yet. I think once I see her, I'll probably kick in. Um, she was deported and hasn't come back. I haven't seen her since then, so it's been over six years. She always asks me, "Of uh, what do you do? What do you do with? Why do you always go to D.C. or why are you always in this thing?" Like, and she's always scared. I'm like, don't worry, mom. There's a lot of it.
0: But I'm also a little angry. Um, that this is the only way that I can see her is through her fence. the light back, please. Have you ever been an outsider looking in? Have you ever been the last kid that nobody picked to be part of the team? Maybe you just don't fit in. See, I remember the time I was 12 years old. I moved for the first time a while ago. I moved from Mexicali, Mexico, to Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. My mom had died a few years before, and my dad was ready to remarry. And we were going to move and start our life again. It was Columbus Day weekend. And I just didn't move. We didn't attend school for the first two months of school because we were supposed to be moving in the summer, but we didn't. And it's October, and we are moving. And I'm not just a new kid on the block. I'm in middle school, seventh grade, huh? And not have been attending school for two months. That was hard, like extremely hard. I remember getting to school the first day, late because you go first to the principal's office. And as you open the door, like in the movies, you see the kid coming in, that was me. We wear uniforms, so it wasn't that the big deal, how do I look? But I was new, and it wasn't September. It was October, the end of, I mean, I mean, it was bad. And I remember standing there and sitting, and my heart, and the bell rang because in middle school you still have recess. Oh, no, why do we have recess? What am I going to do now? And then I see the preppies. No way. Uh, the geeky, nerdy-looking kids never in my life. The outcast. Well, right now, but I wish not to stay there. And then my eyes pointed to the sporty ones. Yeah, I know how to do that. I can play basketball, and guess what? They have a basketball. That's awesome. I can do that. I'm going to show them who I am, but not right now because I'm very scared. So for the next four days, I just sat and watched and saw them play. And I imagined myself. You know, even shooting, and pfft, there he comes. That's oh, me, and I'm, I'm going to be all good. And on Sunday, I was very nervous because Monday was coming, and I was going to go to school. And I went, and the bell rang, and I just started running like everybody else, like I knew what to do. And I'm like, I'm going to be there. And as soon as I get there, a push kid me, and pfft, my face blood on the ground I'm still going with Sue for inner healing praying for that one because I did not make it I thought I was gonna make it and show them who I was but I didn't I landed on the floor and I still was an outsider looking in and it was hard so the Gentiles were just that outsiders looking in and they were as far away from God that me, when I was 30 years old from that basketball, we were out. We were outside looking in. God's love is everlasting and is unfailing. And not depending in my performance, in my abilities, in my sports, <laughs> or oh, how way do I preach. Believe me, it's not because of that. But the Jewish people were happy. They were obeying the law, and they were ready. To live their life with that fence or that border or that curtain that we saw in that video some of us are going to a Bible study on Wednesday night at Mary Ellen's and Tom Tom's house and we are going to the Gospel of John Jeff my husband is teaching and if you know Jeff you know that he's passionate about the Bible it took us three weeks to go to chapter one but that's okay That's okay. The Gospel of John says that the Word, Jesus, became flesh and and came to live among his people, among us. He came from heaven to earth because there was not good enough sacrifice for us to break the curtain the border of the fence. And he came because he'd rather die for you than live without you. Listen to me. He'd rather die for you than live without you. That's how much he loves us. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 2:11 is going to tell us what did he do. He brought peace to the Jews and hope to the Gentiles. Ephesians 2.11 Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Verse 12 In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You live in this world without God, and without hope. 17, he brought his good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Simple, yes. Complicated, yes, as well. See, we are all God's children, all of us. He made us all, and God, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't go, really, did I make that? What was I thinking? He doesn't say that. We are all God's children, but we are not all part of His family. We are not all part of His family. That is a choice you have to make. You have to choose. Be part of God's family. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit comes in and your life is forever changed. Have you struggled to know who you are? Have you chosen the Lord as your God and Savior? If not, You have been missing who you really are in Christ. Your identity. You probably are someone. Someone told you you are. Maybe your kids told you you are this or that. Maybe your parents gave you your identity. And they say you are not good enough. You are always messing up. You are always blah, 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 blah. But who really are you in the Lord? Do you know that? I'm going to tell you who you are after we watch the next video.
1: Nowadays, it's all about technology, and if you know what you're doing with it, it's very easy for me to take over your life.
0: The first thing that alerted me to the problem was a call from my credit union saying that someone had charged on my debit card, which I had never used in the 30 years I had had it. I was able to find her mother's name, her father's name, uh, basically family members that lived in the area, how long it had she had owned her house, um, and when the deed was transferred over into her name, which, uh, you know, these are security questions. They they would ask me questions and I didn't know the answer because she had put in the wrong information. And I took over everything and she didn't even know. I issued new cards, I changed the address, I got a full background credit report on her, registered her on all three uh, credit bureaus that she wasn't ever registered on, changed background information, changed her work history, changed her phone numbers. I changed everything. I held her mail, um, I was her. and And she couldn't prove that I wasn't. I didn't hear that, but it was funny. <laughs> who are you in Christ? Are you someone someone else said you are? Do you still hear the voices in your mind telling you this and that? I'm going to tell you who you are. Let's continue to read on Ephesians 2, uh, 19. You Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives in his spirit. This is who we are. We are his children. We are the citizens of, of heaven. And when I go to heaven, I will have no accent because I will speak Spanish and he will speak Spanish to me. That's, isn't that awesome? We are. The chosen people. First Peter. Let me tell you who really are. First Peter 2.9. First Peter 2.9 is going to tell us that when you choose Christ as part of your family, you become a new creation. A chosen people. And it says this, this. But now, but you are not like that. Whatever is in your brain. Whatever they told you you are, you are not that. Mm-mm, nope. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he had called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. See, you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, We are a holy nation, God's very own possession. Are you part of the family? See, I my last name is Biggers. I am part of the Biggers family, and my son Alan, who is sitting right there, he is Biggers as well, and he is part of the Biggers family. And he knows what is expected from him, and how do we live our lives as part of the Biggers family? Have you chosen him? Have you chosen the the Lord? Are you? Is your last name Christ? Because if if it is, let me tell you who you are. You are a chosen people, completely acceptable. Not the last kid on the block waiting to be picked up, to be picked, to be part of the team. You are just not kind of acceptable. You are. You know, sometimes you buy. Something like this tomato, oh, it's okay. You know, it wouldn't be the best tomato, but it's okay. You are completely acceptable because you are chosen. You are a royal priest. Get ready, because you are famous. A priest represents God to people. Why do you, you don't have to go to a priest to confess your sin? Because you are one. You are a priest, a royal one. We. Together are a holy nation. We are citizens. That's your identity of chosen people, God's people. That's your community. Together we build the temple of the Lord. There is no more curtain. There is no more fence or border that separates us because Christ came and died for us. And that is who we are. We are. Why do we need a new building? Why do we need to make more space? Because let's keep reading right there on First Peter 2 9. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God who had called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So we have what? A calling to go and tell, us, tell others about the goodness of God. And that is why. We need a new building because, first of all, they don't fit there. The ones right there in the back, they don't fit either. And we, we are very tight. We don't have a lot of parking. And we need a calling. Are you a royal priest? Are you really the one that heard the call like the Jews did and went back home to rebuild the building, the temple? Or are you just the like one like going to stay in Babylon, you know? This summer, our kids were excited about something. We wanted to participate in this new building campaign. And we told them that the Lord is our shepherd. And he's going to guide us to where? To green pastures. And the ones here are a little dry. There is not enough of pastures. And sheep, they keep eating the same dirt uh, grass until it becomes dirt. That's the truth. Go Google it. So the kids made this little pig bank in the shape of a sheep and they collected and I'm not going to dump it because I will make a lot of noise but they collected all this money see they wanted to participate on the new pastures and they were excited coming with the little sheep and dumping all the coins in there, still time still time to bring coins and they were ready to put the little coins in here to participate are you ready are you ready because we have a calling to tell our children it says in the Old Testament the fifth book that is what is it called the fifth book of the Bible someone thank you I cannot say that word say it again loud I can say the Deuteronomio but I cannot say that and in, in that book Yes, chapter 6 says, I was going to say, in chapter 6 it tells us that we need to teach our kids the scripture, that we need to put it in our foreheads, that we need to talk to them when they wake up and then we go to bed, when we are driving them to hockey and when they are coming back for hockey practice. We need to tell our children about the Lord. And you are going to tell me, well, maybe, maybe I don't have a child. Are you the family of God? Have you chosen him? Is your last name Christ? Then that is expected for you, from you as well. Well, 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 well. Maybe I don't want to do that. Is he stirring your heart? Maybe you don't want to do that. Let me tell you another thing you can do on Acts 26, 17. Yes, says the Lord, I am sending you to the Gentiles, you, you, the Gentiles, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in him, in me. So maybe you don't have children, and you don't want to tell them about the scripture in the morning and at night. What about this growing? What about this going to the Gentiles? If you are part of family, the family of God, he's going to ask you to do three things. He's going to ask you to do the best you can in the place you are now with what you have. Three things are required. For the one that is part of the family of the Lord. Do the best you can. Just that. Not less. Not more. Just the best you can. And it's what I tell my child too. In the place you are now. Hello. Here you are. With what you have. We are not asking for what you don't have. For what you have right now. That's what we are asking the Lord that the Lord is asking for you to do. It's very simple. Maybe you lost your identity. Maybe you don't know who you are in Christ. Maybe you are not part of his family. I'm going to close with that in mind. I'm going to close with you thinking that are you part of the family or not. See, in the mornings before the service, There is a group of people that come, and they meet at the crying room. (laughs) They cry sometimes. (laughs) And they come here to pray for the service, for the one who is speaking, and for you. And I want to ask Kevin to see, to tell us what happened this morning, the prayer room.
1: I am Kevin um so so this morning there was a, a picture of um uh, the Lord sort of building this uh wall uh of, of stones bricks. It, it was us. He was building his uh his temple and um so sort of just a confirmation of of what he's doing mm-hmm. and uh, secondly, um th- there was a scripture, uh John one four uh the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. And um, I think the sense was that um, the Lord wanted to uh, give some of us life. Um, Maybe some of us feel like uh, maybe you're not happy with how your life is going right now. Uh, I believe the Lord wants to give you his life. And then the second part of that is um, uh, his light. Um, Maybe some of you feel like you're in the dark. You feel like you... um, um don't know where you stand with the lord um and i believe he just wants to shine his light on you and uh smile down on you um so if you'd like prayer for uh any of that or or anything else um, we'll have our prayer team up here this morning we're supporting these new tags just for your benefit so um you know that we're um we've had some training we're known by the leaders and that, uh, to the best of our ability, we want to be safe. Um, thanks.
0: So I'm going to ask. Thank you, Kevin, the worship team. And as we meditate on the scripture, today's scripture, this is just tying so much of what the preaching was today. When I came into the room so they will pray for me, um, it was not funny, ha, ha, but just, again, unbelievable to see how God gave them this picture. It was right there on the board, these stones building a temple. Did not even know what I was going to preach about? So as we meditate and we stand up and worship with this last song, I want you to think where your identity is. Where are you in this picture? And when we're going to come back, we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We praise you because you gave your life for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Because there is no more fence or border or curtain between you and us. Father, I ask if there is someone here that doesn't know That you are the one that gives a real identity will come and receive you, Jesus. And maybe there is one that says, I'm ready to do what I can, where I am now, with what I have. I just need to pray. Father, so I ask that you will stir our hearts right now and that your children receive. But they came for what they came for. And we thank you in your name. Amen. So friends, our service is over. If you want to receive prayer, come. If not, you can go pick up your kids and take your conversation outside. May the Lord bless you. Amen.